Uh, I want to talk about a question that I've been getting is, you know, hey, you know, we're doing this abundance offering. John, what's the deal with that? Why are we doing this? We've never done anything like this before, and that is true. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about that before we dove into the series that we start today. Um, one thing you guys have already heard about is, and, and just prayed for, is our, our Boston, Massachusetts church plant. Uh, part of that is going to be giving some love to that team um, as they go to do some crazy things in Jesus' name. The other thing is what you just saw in that video, and that is Mosaic, to fulfill our commitment that goes well beyond just filling backpacks. It's also to prepare willing and called families to be foster or adoptive parents uh, for the children in this local area first, and then, uh, of course, regionally and nationally, and even some around the world. So we want to make sure that we have catalyst resources to help them out. But for the next five minutes or so, I want to talk about that other component that you see up there, that first M that says margin. Why is that important? And what in the world is margin? Margin is basically another way to say room for opportunities and obstacles. It's something that the Proverbs... If you look at the Proverbs, says that if we're going to be healthy stewards of the resources that we've been given, that we're going to give some of that away, but we're also going to keep some of that for opportunities and obstacles that we will face in our life. Let's be honest. We all have opportunities that throughout the year, opportunities to give, opportunities to invest, opportunities to, 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 to take advantage of because God has placed them in our life. We want to make sure that not only as a household, but as a church, okay, and, and in your business, you would do this. And we hope in January that our government will get this. Can I get a witness? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, margin, don't spend more money than you have. Okay, anyway, so here's the deal. You, you save money for the future because you know opportunity is going to happen, but you also know that obstacles are going to happen. You know that you're going to get a flat tire. You know that the car is going to break down. You didn't know this, but derechos actually come through Virginia and blow houses down, okay? That's what I'm talking about. You have that kind of margin in your household. Churches should have that as well as well as everything that I've already mentioned. Well, part of this offering is going to go towards that. But there's something else that you have to know, that this is sort of a catalyst for something that's going on in our church that's a little bit of an obstacle, but one that I know that we will rise to the occasion. In December of last year, we do the same process every year. We do the budgeting process. Our staff, our stewardship team, and our elders uh, go through a process of projecting and allotting what our budget will be, just like you do in your house, for the coming year. And so we got a little audacious, and we got a little uh, ambitious, and we said, I bet that the people of Brentwood are going to rise to the occasion, and we're going to be able to do some really cool things in our church. And as a result, we projected a budget for a weekly average giving of $31,500. So when we were moving into January of 2012, we were going, okay, we're going to see Brentwood rise to the occasion. And if you times 31500 by 52, you'll kind of get the projected budget that we had for 2012. Here's what happened, though. 
We had never risen to that occasion as an average uh, giving. And as the year comes to a completion, we still haven't. In fact, we're averaging right now a weekly average giving of $25,000 in weekly giving. Thank you for those of you who faithfully give to that to see the ministries and, the, and all of the things, that the operations of Brentwood Church and the giving that we give outside of here. But here's the deal. We, we, do, we do face this opportunity to go, okay, why is that gap of $6,500 in weekly giving a reality? Okay, the first thing we have to go is, okay, we've just lived in a timid economy, national economy, we get that. People, people lose their jobs and people, you know, giving gets weird for people and I get that. People do leave the church. You know, they leave, you know, Brentwood Church, they leave other churches and they take their giving with them. We get that, we understand that. But here's what we're realizing, that attendance, adult attendance at Brentwood Church a year later has not decreased. In fact, in some areas, it's even increased. We've had a banner year in, in, in a lot of cool areas. We've baptized more people this year than ever before in our history. Yeah, that's awesome. That is amazing. And you know, we, we, don't, do, we don't do mass baptisms here. Uh, you know, we, we will at some point, but we basically say, hey, we want you to tell your story and we're not going for, for quantity, we're going for quality here. But even, even with that, even with that filter, we've had more baptisms here than ever before. We've sent and supported more people globally than ever before. You just saw the Thailand team. That is just one of seven teams that went out this year, plus the missionaries that we support globally. More than we ever have. Right now, we have more people connected in group life than ever before. Right now, we partner with more families in Collide Student Ministries and Kids Focus than ever before in our history. So why would we not conclude the year 2012 meeting an average giving of 31500 Now, I could tell you my theories, okay, I could, you know, I could just give you reasons. I said, maybe it was just overly ambitious. But, but I, I like to think, wow, you know, if we're growing and we're going, people are going to rise to the occasion. But there's a part of this that I have to own, and that's this. I, in the year 2012, look back and I go, did I lead this boldly? Did I inform Brentwood Church clearly? Did I teach this in a way that was unapologetic? And I look back and I go, with the exception of the series that we just went through on stewardship and a few scattering of things that were mentioned over the last year, I did not rise to the occasion to say to our church, for those of you who are Christians who call Brentwood Church home, hey, these are some amazing things that when we all are obedient and faithful to give to this church that we can give. Now, here's what we've done, okay? We've done what any household should do, and we've cut things, we've frozen things, we've tightened the belt, we've pushed pause on things we wanted to do but aren't going to do. Okay, we've, we've done all of that, which is what your household should do, which is what a business should do, which is what our government will do, okay? Because that's wisdom, and God honors those things. But we also have to say, but wait. Wait a minute, if everybody who is a Christ follower who calls Brentwood Church home will give a faithful portion according to their obedience to God 
towards the local church, could we, could we move into the next season doing the things that God has put on this church's heart, the vision and the missions that is God-sized, could we do that? And the answer to that question is, yes, of course we can. And so the abundance offering as we come full circle is really a catalyst for that. It's saying, hey, let's re-inspire faithful givers. Let's say to those of you who've been given faithfully over the last year, who still call Brentwood Church home, let's give you guys a hand and say, thank you for doing what you do. Let's wake up sleepy givers. Hey, if you've lost sight of why you give to the local church, we know you have you know, other projects that you love and that capture your imagination, that capture your heart and Christian radio and that missionary and, and that foundation. Keep giving to those, but always start here at your local church that is faithfully showing up to lead, to teach, to grow your family and so much more in your life, but also to invite new givers in. If you call Jesus your Messiah and you call the church, his spiritual family in your life, then we want to inspire you and invite you who are new to Brentwood to come on and join this. And so the abundance offering is really just another part of, in, of inviting and catalyzing and reawaking us to give. And so we just said, hey, this isn't about guilt trips. This isn't about, you know, everything's gonna fall apart if you don't. Yeah, well, okay, it, if you don't, you don't. Here's what it's about, and this is what we said, fast and pray. Just fast and pray. And so we put out that challenge three or four weeks ago. We just said, hey, fast three meals or three days. Fast and pray and just see what God says to you. And we believe if you're obedient to that Holy Spirit, there is no limit to what God is gonna do in this church in 2013. We are going to start, I believe, a revival and an awakening in this church and in this city that will be earth shattering. But we got to get our hearts and our hands ready for it. And that means we've got to live up to the priorities. We got to put on our big boy pants and our big girl pants and do what God asks us to do so that we are positioned and poised for greater dreams and bigger mission that God wants to do through us. Can I get a witness? Yeah. Woo, man, man. Okay, Matthew chapter one, Matthew chapter one. All that to say, get ready for December 16th in 2013. I wanna introduce you guys this morning to the first adoptive parent in the New Testament. The very first adoptive parent in the New Testament. Let's, let's meet him. Verse 24 of Matthew chapter 24 Part one of Mosaic Christmas. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. Verse 25. But he did not consummate their marriage. If you want to know what that means, come talk to me afterwards. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Okay, question. Who in the world gets clear and courageous directions from God through angelic dreams? Like, who is that guy? Because sign me up for that. 
Well, here's who that person is. Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus the Messiah, but you who have God's Holy Spirit thriving in your heart because you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Do not forget that. Do not have a go-through-the-motion, church-as-usual relationship with God. He has dreams that he has placed in you, and if you will step up and be courageous like we're going to see this guy do, he will blow your mind on what he wants to do in and through your life. I promise you, it is bigger than the American dream. Not knocking the American dream, but I'm telling you, he will do mighty and miraculous things through your life. So I've already answered question number one. Not only Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, but you will get turn-by-turn directions from God through his Holy Spirit. Second question, what kind of guy would marry a woman, and guys, you know what I'm talking about, would marry a woman who is carrying Someone else's child. Think about that, men. You know, you know what I'm thinking? Like, no way. No way would I do that. And yet, here is a man who, at one point in his life, did not know that this was a child fathered by the Holy Spirit and the Heavenly Father, okay? But, but knew and felt and believed that this was some other man's child. But when he learned that it was God's child that he was to name and he was to raise, he took on the chaos and the mess and the disruption and the criticism that it would cause his life. Who would do that? Let me answer that question. Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, but you and me who have God's Holy Spirit thriving in our life. Listen, you are called to be criticized and disrupted because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. If you didn't get that memo, then let me tell you that today. In fact, if you are not being criticized and if your life is not being disrupted, in very real ways, then I would ask you to get on your knees and pray and say, God, do something mighty and miraculous through my life. I am a couch potato Christian. I repent. Thank you very much for your patient rebuke on my life. Now, what do you want to do crazy to change the world through me? Question number three. And yes, you are going to be the answer to this one too. What kind of guy or what man is made up in such a way that not only does he hear from God directly, not only would he take on and marry a woman whose child is from another person, in this case God, who would also adopt that child and raise that child as his own? Well, I've already mentioned one of them today, Jason Height and his wife, who just adopted a young boy named JC, whom they did not conceive, whom they did not give birth to, but took into their own life, took on his mess, took on his baggage, took on his history, and said, you now are ours. 
I will raise you as my son. You will have my name even though you do not have my frame. Now, some of you are freaking out right now. John, are you saying that there are foster and adoptive children in the lobby waiting on me for me to adopt today? And the answer to that question is no. Calm down. Here's what I do believe. By the end of today and by the end of this series, God is going to call you to bigger dreams and a greater mission for your life. And you know what? Just go ahead and put that up there. God is gonna call you by the end of today and by the end of this series to bigger dreams and a greater mission for your life. And here's the thing. You should expect that. You should, if your life looks the same as it did a year ago, then today is the day that you get a wake-up call. Now, look, 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 I understand that not everybody here has given their life to Jesus. Some of you are curious. Some of you are just wondering about this. And listen, this is a place that you can observe, and I want you to look. But I, I hope that you see something greater than people whose lives look the same week after week, month after month, Year after year, they tolerate the church, they sing the songs, they hear the sermons, and their faith in Jesus and their maturity in Jesus stays at an infant or adolescent level most of their life. If that is you today and you're observing that here in this church, I want to apologize. I want to apologize and I want to say, listen, You hang around here long enough, and I promise you, you will see some Christians that are growing in a way that their authenticity and their honesty and their risk-taking and the reality of their life will be so contagious for you that you truly will believe in the Jesus that you've come, that you're wondering about, and that you're questioning. What kind of guy would do all that? Well... It's the same guy who sits right here. It's the same woman who sits right here today. I'm gonna tell you something. God is calling you to a bigger dream and a greater mission for your life. Get ready. Get ready. And I'm not saying he will call you to foster and adopt children. He may. Get ready if he does. We're gonna resource you. We're gonna support you. And we're gonna be there for you. He may call you to something even crazier. But get ready for what's next. Jump up to verse 18. We're going to get to that in just a second. My daughter took the three-meal fast challenge for the abundance offering last Saturday. And she was telling me this after the fact. She said, she said, yeah, Dad. She said, I decided to do three meals. I decided for 24 hours I wasn't going to eat and I was going to pray instead. And she said, this is what I prayed. She said, I prayed that God would put a challenge in my life that was so big that only he, through his strength, could fulfill it through my life. So I'm thinking, okay, wow. That's pretty scary. I don't know that I would have prayed that prayer. That's pretty scary. And so she prays this on Saturday. Sunday comes, Monday, Tuesday. You know, she's just waiting, waiting, waiting. Finally, Wednesday night at Collide Student Ministries, she's sitting down during this worship service 
the Collide Student Ministry Band, they are giving it. They are bringing it. All they have. Leading these students in worship. And her and, and some, some, some others just around her just kind of sitting there. It's kind of like, man, this is, this is really true. This is really authentic. This is really powerful. But I don't want to stand up and I don't want to sing because I'm a 12-year-old middle school girl. And standing up and singing at my local church, it might as well be smuggling Bibles into China. You know what I'm saying? It's like the same level for them. And so she's sitting there and she hears God say to her, I want you to stand up and I want you to sing. And, and her heart's beating out of her chest and she's scared. Like, what if I stand up? People think I'm weird. People think this. People think that. Okay, so she, she's going through this. Her heart's just beating. <laughs> stand up and sing. And so here's what she does. She stands up and she starts to sing among all these people who are sitting down. And then immediately she second guesses it. She's thinking, I need to sit down. People are gonna reject me. People are gonna think I'm crazy. People are gonna, and you know, she just, just goes, 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 goes. But she stays standing and within seconds of her standing and remaining standing, people around her start to stand up. And here's the cool, here's the cool. I picked her up at the carpool drop-off place that I pick her up at, at Wednesday nights. And she gets in the car and she says, God asked me to do something bold tonight. And I said, what was it? And she tells me this whole story. And I was like, you go, girl. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? That's what I want to say to all of us today. Not, not to you fellas. Okay? I want to say, you know, blow it up, man. Blow it up. Okay? But Wow. Wow, look, look, to her, that was huge. And here's the deal. Here's, here's why I tell you this story, because the same thing is happening in you. God is going to call you. If you, if you are gonna, if you're gonna live in the, in the line of a guy like Joseph and hear the Holy Spirit, he is gonna call you to stand up and to lead things. And it will, it will disrupt your life and people will criticize you. They will but when you're going to jump into a bigger dream and a greater mission for your life, you gotta expect that. And here's the deal. You know the same thing I know. When God calls us to do that, maybe it's pick up the phone and ask for forgiveness. Maybe it's to walk across the, the, the aisle and, 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 and say to your coworker, hey, I, I, wanna, I wanna tell you about Jesus. I don't know what it is for you, but you know you hear it clearly and God is putting it in your heart and he's putting it in your path and you're thinking, what am I gonna do? And you have a choice. Do I, do I ignore this and be disobedient to this calling or do I accept this calling and all that comes with it? Not just the obedience, not just the strength that he will provide, not just the eventual reward for being obedient, but even even the challenge and the criticism and the way that it will disrupt you. I promise you, if you go after what God has put before you, people will think you are crazy. And we see a man who is about to adopt this woman's mess, a mess. She is pregnant, for all intents and purposes, for everybody around her, with another man's baby. 
And Joseph, look what it says. This is how the birth of the Messiah, verse 18, Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, which might as well be married. Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. You talk about a public relations nightmare. You talk about public humiliation, not only for Mary, but for Joseph. All his bros down at the carpentry shop are like, mm-hmm. What happened to you, future baby's daddy? Looks like somebody beat you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Holy Spirit. Yeah. Whatever. Ridicule. Public ridicule. For, for, for everybody around Joseph, they believed that Mary left him high and dry, humiliated, holding the bag, if you will. Look, though, at Joseph's response. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly, to divorce her quietly. He had every right under the law to stick it to her, to get retaliation, to get justified. And you know what? He had the voices all around him, I'm sure, saying it. Has this ever happened to you? Because of somebody's actions, because of somebody's craziness, they leave you humiliated, they leave you ridiculed, they leave you out there on your own to fend for yourself. If you have kids, you better say yes. Of course, you've gotten that call from the teacher or the principal. Yes, um, I want to tell you about little Joey. It seems that there was an incident on the playground today, an altercation, if you will. And you can just hear the criticism and the judgmentalism in, in the voice, right? Like, how could you have given birth to this child? <laughs> and in that moment, you want to go, I'm sorry, ma'am. I, I don't have a child in that school. I don't know what you're talking about. Or when your ex-husband served you papers for divorce. Oh, yeah, I went there. He decided to tell the world what a terrible wife you were all those years to justify him making the decision that he made. And part of you just wanted to go off. You wanted to get on Facebook. You wanted to get on Twitter. You wanted to take out a Super Bowl commercial and tell the world about Mr. Beer Belly Mama's boy you had to put up with for 20 years. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about him. Part of you did, didn't it? When people hurt us, when people shame us, when people leave us holding the bag, if you will, we want to distance ourselves or we want to retaliate against them. And yet here is a man who says, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We're not going to throw rocks at her. We're not going to go out to the public square and justify ourselves. 
What we're going to do instead is have compassion on her. What we're going to do instead is love her. What we're going to do instead is do this quietly because this isn't about me. This is about doing the right thing. I want to tell you, it is Joseph's response of compassion in this moment that frames him to be the father of the Messiah. If you were God and you were choosing a fragile, fractured, failing, imperfect man, who would you choose to raise your son? Would it be a man who would retaliate? Would it be a man who would distance himself? Or would it be a man who with compassion and restraint, with honor and dignity, would look at the very people who have embarrassed him, who have in his mind sinned against him, would forgive them anyway? That is who Joseph was, and that is who our heavenly father is. And when he's going through the list, picking out people who are going to raise his son to be the savior of the world, those are the kinds of hearts and those are the kinds of lives that he's going to choose to give big dreams and a great mission to. Listen, I don't know where your heart is today, but you are here today, Brentwood Church, And I'm talking to myself too, to get your heart ready, to get your character circumcised, to get your life reframed for what God has for you next. And I'm telling you, it is going to be giving up the bitterness. It's going to be giving up the desire to throw rocks at people who hurt you. It is going to be going out of your way to help people, especially people in your life that you feel have pitted themselves against you. You see, those are the people that observers of Christians are waiting for us to be. And right here, 2,000 years ago, when God was going through his list of people to raise his son who came to earth, he chose a man whose character was filled with grace and truth. Because that is the core message of the gospel, is it not? I did a funeral this week. The man who was in the casket was killed by a habitual offender drunk driver. The man who killed my friend who was in the casket was out on bond for drunk driving. He should not have even been in the car that killed my friend. So I'm spending two or three days with his family, whose son, husband, father, brother, loyal friend has been killed by a habitual drunk driver. You know how many times I heard about the evil drunk driver that killed this man? Zero. Zero. You talk about a family who had every right to end their grief, be bitter and retaliatory against somebody. It would be this family. And we would all sign up and line up to do so, wouldn't we? I heard one family member mention this. He, my friend who had been killed, he would want us to pray for that man. 
What? Who are those people? Let me tell you who they are. They're people who have the Holy Spirit of God thriving in them. And those are the people who God chooses. He chooses to dream big dreams and to take on greater missions. Will their loved ones die in car accidents perpetrated by drunk drivers? Yes. But in the midst of those moments, in the midst of their grief, they will look up to God and say, I trust you, and I'll love this man because you give me the strength to do that. Let me tell you something. That's who we have got to be, Brentwood Church. We have got to grow up. We have got to cast off what it is that's holding us back. And I don't know what it is for you. I don't know if it's a little sin that just keeps creeping up in your life, if it's a character issue, if it's a fear issue. But you're here today because we are stepping into something bold as a church, a mandate that he's given us. And it starts in these kinds of stories. Verse 12, but after he considered this, considered what? Giving grace and compassion to this girl he felt had betrayed him. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. He's getting the word too. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Wow, what did God just give Joseph? who has a heart of grace and truth, is the core of the gospel, who he's chosen to be the earthly father of his heavenly son. He gives him a call on his life. And he says, don't be afraid of the call, the criticism, and the disruption of God's mission on your life. That's what he says to Joseph in a dream. And that's what he's saying to you today. He wants to dream big dreams in you. He wants to do great things in you. And you and I have to, just like a 12-year-old middle school girl, just like the, the, the mother and the wife and the brother of a man who was killed by a drunk driver, we have to position our hearts in a way that we are not afraid of the call and we are not afraid of the disruption and we are not afraid of the criticism that will surround us when we step up to do something crazy for God. Joseph was about to lose all of his friends, every bit of reputation that he had, he had earned in, in, in the 20-some years of his life. He was probably going to lose his customers at his business and everything that was valuable to him. And he said, okay. I'm in. What do you want me to name him? Name him Jesus, because he's going to save the world. Mm. Sign me up. Sign me up. Where's your heart today? Are you ready? Are you scared? Are you indifferent? Maybe today you can shake that up and invite the Holy Spirit into doing something crazy. I'm going to ask the band to come right now. As they come, I want, to, I want to end with this story and some application. A few weeks ago, a foster family from this church asked my wife and I, 
to be with them as they transitioned these foster children back into the care of a very volatile parent, a mother who was very, very volatile. In fact, this birth mother of these children uh, was belligerent. She, was, she had cursed them out in public more than once. She had, she had said nasty things. She had been uh, passively and actively manipulative and, and did all kinds of things to, to make their life difficult to have her children under their care while she was unfit to care for them. And so I'm in the parking lot down at social services with this family, and I'm thinking, man, I'm going to stand here, and the devil's going to show up, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And so Cara pulls in. Mother gets out. Foster parents immediately move towards her. I'm thinking, what in the world? Where do they get the strength from? They speak to her with dignity. They treat her with honor. Despite the fact that she is belligerent, that she is uncooperative, they load the toys that they had bought for her children over the months that, she, that they were in her care into her car. And then close the door on these children who for all intents and purposes had stolen their hearts and they loved as their own and watched them drive away into chaos again. And they breathed a sigh. And this is what happens. The, the husband, the foster father, turns to my wife and hands her something, puts something in her hand, and it was $1,000 cash. And this is what he says to her. After he has just gone through the whole process of being beaten up verbally, emotionally, kept his, his honor for this person, hands $1,000. He says, yeah, this is some extra money that we got. And I want you to, to give it to that family and our church that needs it. And please don't tell them where it came from. That's Mosaic Christmas. That's Joseph of the house of David. That's Jesus, the Messiah. That's you if you will let God dream big dreams and call you to great mission. Those are the people that God uses in mighty and and so as you stand with me today, here's what I'd like for you to do. Just go ahead and stand. As we sing through this song, I want you to just say, God, whatever is in my life right now that's in the way of me being who you want me to be, to get my heart and my hands ready for greater dreams and for a greater mission, God, show that to me and let me give it back to you right now. And let me get prepared because 2013 is going to rock my world and I am ready, God.